Welcome to Dogma and Devotion, the podcast that sheds light on the beauty and truth of the Catholic faith. We discuss a wide range of topics from the viewpoints of two complementary vocations of the Church. I'm Ashley here with Father Dupre, and on today's episode, we're reflecting on the Gospel for the second Sunday of Lent, Year B. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no fuller on earth could bleach them. Then Elijah appeared to them along with Moses, and they were conversing with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He hardly knew what to say. They were so terrified. Then a cloud came, casting a shadow over them. From the cloud came a voice, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone but Jesus alone with them. As they were coming down from the mountain, he charged them not to relate what they had seen to anyone, except when the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what rising from the dead meant. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So second Sunday of Lent, we're going to read on the Transfiguration like we do every year. Uh, The church also celebrates an actual feast of the Transfiguration in August. And we have the Luminous Mysteries, uh, which Pope Benedict calls the Luminous Comforting Mysteries. Mm. And we kind of see Jesus bringing some comfort to Peter, James, and John, who a few passages right before he kind of, you know, explained to him that his passion was coming. And then it seems like this event is kind of like the special privilege that they're getting just to prepare them and strengthen them for what's to come. That's exactly right. It's, it's a bit surprising that we're hearing about the transfiguration glory just two weeks in, and it 100% is trying to connect us to the hope we should be carrying for the resurrection. And it's just a wonderful reminder. And Holy Mother Church, look at what she's doing. Again, early on, this is only the second Sunday of Lent, she is showing us that the Paschal Mystery, which we could say we have entered the celebration of by going into the desert, right, to unite ourselves with Christ, who you know, went without eating and, and fasting and all this for 40 days, that this is a part of our preparation for new life, the glory of new life and the resurrection. Strong, strong ties between transfiguration glory and resurrection glory. And so that's right. There was a passion prediction right before this. And so there's a, right, a comforting that's going on. And the thing that I love, I have a tendency to just zero in on Peter, and it's always fitting to do that. I mean, he is the established rock, right? Upon this rock, I will build my church. He renamed Simon to Kepha, Simon Peter. And so you see in the Gospels that he will get attention. The Acts of the Apostles, why is there such a focus on him? And the power that was given to him to convert souls with his preaching, right? 3,000 were added to the Lord that day, thinking of this uh, change in Peter, right, uh, at Pentecost. Well, what's happening with Peter here, right? He's here with the company, the, the inner circle there, Peter, James, and John. And, and he's the only one speaking, right? Rabbi, it is good that we are here. 
Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. And I love it. You know, there's that that passion, that that quickness. Uh, he, he he's he's going to have an emotional reaction. You know, uh, you can never say Peter was dry. <laughs> he's he's, he's going to have some kind of movement inside of him. And with, with these incredible events, and a lot of times he voices what we're thinking and what we're feeling too. Um, and but then what I also focus on here is that this is the same Jesus who does not ever seem to shy away or hesitate to correct Peter on anything to refresh ourselves. When Peter says, "Even if all the others deny you, I will never deny you," and then immediately, "Our Lord, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times." Um, Whenever at another passion prediction, we have Peter just not permitting it, huh? And then what does Christ say? <laughs> the heaviest words any disciple could ever hear, get behind me, Satan. All right. And then how about the rest of Jesus in the garden? Okay. Um, he, <laughs> he lobs off the temple soldier's ear and then Christ says, put your sword in its scabbard. Those who live by the sword die by the sword. Right. He does not have a problem correcting the rock, okay, the leader. And yet here, he is not rejecting or correcting anything about Peter's excitement. I think that that's really important because I think that there's some other people who hear this and they want to associate this with an impulsivity in Peter. Uh, there's a just a, he's too emotional. He's too shallow. He doesn't get it. This is not about building a church right here on Mount Tabor, Peter, you know, and that is super cynical because we should judge our responses to Peter's excitement on Christ. Christ does not take away any of his excitement. And Mark will go on and say he hardly knew what to say, right? They were so terrified, right? Peter speaking for the whole company, Peter, James, and John. and But never in there do you see... Uh, Jesus say, hey, this isn't it. Let's get to the cross. Um, you wimp, you know, are you afraid to suffer? He doesn't do any of that. He lets Peter get excited. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, Peter. <laughs> uh, the one that I actually like to focus on in this one was John. There's a really cool quote about this from Pope St. Leo the Great that I want to read it. Um, it says, and in this transfiguration, the foremost object was to remove the offense of the cross from the disciples' heart and to prevent their faith from being disturbed by the humiliation of his voluntary passion by revealing to them the excellence of his hidden dignity. And I just love that so much because it's, it's showing them that no matter what disfigurement, and we know it's a lot, that he's going to face, that his divinity can never be altered. And I can't help but think how much this one particular event strengthened John in, in his road to Calvary that he sort of followed with Jesus and then, you know, what came after. I love that. I, and at the expense of perhaps jumping a little too far ahead on this line about um, preparing us and helping us to know what the, the passion is about and let's think about Holy Thursday and just the whole movement towards this, this moment to begin his, his hour. Huh? And the, the last thing before he goes into the garden and he's 
expecting his arrest. He knows he's praying through it. Um, but just before that, you have the Mass of the Lord's Supper, right? You have Holy Thursday. And the the beautiful gesture before a drop of blood is shed, okay? Before there's any agony, before there's any of what will truly be awful, what does he do? He teaches them with the washing of the feet, all right? This is just something from Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. He said in 2007 in a beautiful, um, I believe it was a, a papal audience he had, uh, one of the Wednesday audiences. And he said, with the washing of the feet, the gesture with which, having loved his own, he loved them to the end, is repeated from John chapter 13, verse 1. And he bequeathed this act of humility to his disciples as their badge, which is love unto death. And so before I show you what I will endure, I want to show you the love first. Before there is suffering, there is love. And of course, this is precipitated with three years of the mute speaking, the deaf hearing, the blind seeing, people rising from the dead, right? Which in itself is a sign. Death entered the world through sin. So now if you take away death, people aren't dying anymore. Then that means the reign of sin is ended, right? It This one is coming to do something to throw off death, to help you to know that I'm going to love you into that truth. I'm going to wash your feet. You know, and Peter, Peter said, I won't, I won't let you do it. He was so reluctant to allow Christ to wash his feet. And then when he gets it, (laughs) he says, not just my feet, but get everything, (laughs) you know, get it all, you know, and because Christ says, unless you let me do this, you will have no part of me. Christ wants to wash us in his love. That is what this Lent is about. And that's why we've got the transfiguration already kind of, let's say the resurrection is peeking through in this focus on the transfiguration. Peter is permitted to be his excited self, to to say, man, I'm ready to start building churches now. Three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And again, it's, it's, he's not called down for it. He's not told that he's being crazy or impulsive or whatever. He's lacking in some kind of prudence. No, like you're supposed to be excited about this new life I've come to share with you. Beautiful. We'll close in prayer. Let's close this out. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for revealing your glory through the transfiguration of your son and calling us to share in it. Lord, we ask for the passion, for the desire, for an increase of hope that you build through this holy season of fasting and abstinence to clear the heart and mind that we may be able to behold your glory with greater love and greater devotion come the time we celebrate your resurrection in the Easter season. And we ask this in your holy and precious name, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We will return for our next episode with the gospel for the third Sunday of Lent.